All right, we are back for the week six preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I am Ethan Weiss, joined as always by Pat Higgins. Pat, the season's flying by, uh, and the Eagles flying high. How about that? Five and zero. Oh, your Philadelphia Eagles. How are we feeling? It's pretty good. I like that. We are flying high, flying by. Five and zero. Oh, off a, uh, a a game against the Rams, where I was I was. Pretty concerned about Stafford and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Um, but the Eagles shut that offense down in the second half and sort of, you know, just just wore the Rams down and and won. And more importantly than winning. Well, winning's the most important thing, but they covered the spread as well. Didn't think that <laughs> I thought I thought the Rams were gonna have an opportunity to to backdoor that number at four and a half, but Eagles win and cover, moved to five and zero. Oh. Moving on to the Jets. Let me tell you, when Stafford and Nakua and Cup, those guys that you were afraid of, when they had the ball, uh, boy, were they good. The problem was they just didn't have the ball. They never had the ball. Um, I'm sure we will uh, talk about that a little bit later when we do the preview for the Eagles game. Um, but, I mean, they controlled the ball for, I think, 38 minutes, 38 to, to 22, something like that. Um Pretty good win for the Eagles. Uh, I feel like we've said that a lot, um, and I'm sure we'll continue to say that. It, you know, at least one of our teams uh, is consistently putting W's up on the board. Yeah, but we have was... the Diamondbacks. We got the Diamondbacks. We're a Diamondbacks town. We could be. We could be heading towards a uh, a, a little mayor's bed. I guess you know. Obviously, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies got to get. Both yeah. their series done here, and I'm knocking on wood because the Phillies yeah. blew game yeah. two last I night. The, I hope the audio is picking that up there. Uh, we're knocking on wood. Uh, I will be in attendance at game three of the NLDS here in Where are you Phoenix sitting? We'll night. be looking out for you. We'll be in uh, section 320. Uh, so, you know, getting that aerial view. What's that, third baseline? Uh, I believe it's somewhere, somewhere around there. You gotta get like a boltman type helmet so we can pick you out in the crowd. <laughs> get a some, some sort of snake uh big yeah. thing on my head. Big, so a big so cobra head pick, or something. Pick yeah. me out, yeah. Well, how about uh, a diamond back? See huh? that, that's yeah. If that's if if you see that, anyone who's listening, just assume that's Ethan. Just go hang out in the pool. All right. There let's keep it. Yeah, moving. that's that's always that's always a good place to be. Um and yeah, that was talking baseball here with the Sporting Intelligence crew. Um, before we dive into uh, you know football, which is what we're here to talk about, I do want to remind the listeners to head on over to sporting-intelligence.com for all of your matchup analysis tools. Uh, the dashboards are free through the entirety of the 2023 season. You will see if you're watching on YouTube. Um, the dashboards up throughout the episode so you can see our matchup analysis dashboard as well as uh, we will switch throughout to our player stats dashboard which shows the rankings and matchups for players um, based on their various stats uh, that you can change to see for passing receiving and rushing you can also head over to the comparison and splits dashboards to compare multiple players to one another. If you're trying to make fantasy or daily fantasy decisions or bet head-to-head -head props, as well as how uh, 
players have performed against top or bottom defenses that year. And you can also check out the player profiles dashboard, which gives you a report card look at a player's performance across the board in various metrics. So make sure to keep an eye out uh, at sporting-intelligence.com so you can uh, see all of this data and information that we discuss throughout the show. And also, if you're looking to, uh, you know, interact with us on social media, give us a follow on Twitter at Sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. You can find us by searching Sporting Intelligence. We post a lot of good stuff over there, including links to our newsletter every week and good data visualizations and matchups throughout the week that come straight from these dashboards at sporting-intelligence.com. So make sure to go check it out. Without further ado, Pat, it is time for flowers, giving out flowers here for week five. Where are your flowers going? Yeah, I'm going to move off and avoid giving the flowers to Brock Purdy and the 49ers and move away from, you know, awarding flowers to the team that beat the Cowboys on a weekly basis. That, going that over is, the, you know, that is, that is, that's a good call out there, Pat, because an, we did go under, head to head. We did yeah, we go did. head to we head did. in, uh, you know, in that game last week. I had the Cowboys. I thought that, uh, you know, their offense was going to be able to do anything. Um, they weren't. Uh, and that means that the, you know, inaugural Sporting Intelligence head-to-head Mr. Little Chest Award is going to me this week, unfortunately. Um, so Mr. Big Chest will get to. But, uh, yeah, good call on the Niners. They're a wagon, uh, and I will in shame wear the title of Mr. Little Chest until we go head-to-head again. You'll have to hang on to that one and, and look after it closely. Um, you know, while we're on that, uh, like I was saying all preseason, again, I try to be as objective as I can here, but Mike McCarthy calling the plays for the Cowboys and the Cowboys offense last year was top five in the league with Kellen Moore calling the shots and they're just, they just don't look the same. And Dak feature is, you know, being, excuse me, Dak Prescott is being featured. Um, they're trying to run the ball a little bit more and, you know, you, you see it on this dashboard here that last year. Their their offensive statistics looked much like oh, this the 49ers is, do. Yeah. Yeah. This and, is last week's uh last week's dashboard for the for the Cowboys, fifth in offensive efficiency, second in defensive efficiency. And after that matchup against the uh 49ers, if you even want to call it a matchup, it was just a domination. Um Dallas heading into this one ranks 10th in offensive efficiency and 14th in defensive efficiency. So it just yeah. shows you what kind of domination the Niners put on them. Yeah, they they weren't they weren't able to get really anything going, and and Dak turned the ball over three times in the second half, and you know San Fran kind of boat raced them from start to finish, and you know won the game by seven to five scores, five scores. Yeah. So anyway, many, let's, many let's, scores, <laughs> more than one. So anyway, let's move on to flowers again. Not going to the Brock Purdy and the 49ers, though they deserve it. Hopefully, someone gets some flowers. My flowers this week are going to. Robert Sala and the New York Jets. Robert Sala, the fearless leader of the New York Jets, who I think is a great coach. I think he's a great leader of men. Um, led the Jets to a 31-21 win over the Broncos on the road. And, you know, other than this being a good win in the AFC, this is a a great win for the Jets organization over Sean Payton and the Broncos. Sean Payton, who, as everyone remembers, was talking all sorts of smack on Nathaniel Hackett and everyone basically involved in the, the story of the twenty the Broncos 2022 season. The Jets went in there with Zach Wilson, who I think everyone agrees is a bottom five starter. 
in the league right now and posted 407 yards of total offense on Denver's albeit awful defense. Uh, and the defense had Sean Payton yelling at Russ on the sideline after he fumbled the ball and was strip sacked by Quentin Williams that got returned for a touchdown to seal the game for the Jets on the road. Jets improved to two and three. Um, you know, there it looks like there might be a little bit of a mutiny going on in Denver. Denver looks like they might have a bunch of their defensive players on the trade block looking to sort of, you know, strip this thing down to the studs. And credit to Robert Sala and uh, the the Jets organization for exacting revenge for their guy, Nathaniel Hackett. Sala, after the game, also told Sean Payton to be humble, which arguably qualifies him <laughs> for Mr. Big Chest. But the Jets are only two and three, so they get the flowers this week. Yeah, I mean, first of all, bigger picture, before we get into jokes about Sean Payton here and the Broncos, um, you know, the Jets are two and three. And... The NFL script here going into the season was kind of that the AFC was loaded and the NFC was going to kind of have some fringe teams get in to the playoffs. It looks like that's a little bit flipped. It looks like the elite teams in the NFC have separated themselves. And in the AFC, it's going to kind of be pretty close. And nine and eight, eight and nine might actually keep you in playoff contention in the AFC, which makes this very interesting that the Jets are near 500 amidst all this Rodgers miraculous recovery news. Um, if they can kind of stay around 500, who knows, um, come the end of the season. And it's crazy that we're talking about that here after five weeks, after what we were saying after week one. Yeah, a lot, a lot of bad coaching across the AFC. If you look at the Chargers, you know, the Steelers, um, you know, the, the, the AFC race is wide open. And to your point, I think, the Jets defense continues to play at the level they're playing at. And Zach Wilson can, you know, come in and, and, you know, lead this offense with any sort of competence They're They're definitely, they, they, they have talented players at skill positions that can, you know, get them into the playoffs at nine and eight. So. Yeah. Their defense is good enough. Like but if you Jets. come into the game, if you come into the game and you say, we're going to score 20 points, which is not a lot in this day, this day's NFL, uh, this defense is going to give you a chance, which is, is all you can ask for at this point uh, for the Jets. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sean Payton probably should have made sure he had, like, not a historically bad defense before he talked some smack to uh, Hackett and crew. Yeah, a little, little bit of egg on his face. at you know Just a little. The, could definitely see some... Uh, could definitely see some changes in the form of Jarrett Stidham coming soon uh, over in Denver. That would be interesting. They they owe Russ a lot of money. Yeah. Um, that's going to be an interesting situation to monitor. Robert Sala, great flowers, uh, great win for the Jets. Uh, maybe not a great win, maybe just a, you know, a Broncos win for the Jets, but important nonetheless. Uh, my flowers are going in another direction, and uh, that is to one Mr. Devon A. Champ. Uh what this kid has done to start the season for the Dolphins is absolutely bonkers. I, I say this kid, he's probably right around my age, but whatever. Uh, his performance of 151 rushing yards and a touchdown on just 11 carries uh, is crazy to say, but it's starting to become somewhat routine. Um, this is kind of in line with his season averages to this point, which is outrageous to say. Um, I'm going to go through some of his stats and keep in mind that these stats, he has done it in just three games um, because his first game in week two, 
Uh, he only had one carry for five yards. So while his stats will technically say four games, that fourth game was just one carry for five yards. And the rest of these stats have been accrued over just his last three games. So here are some outrageous A-chan stats for you. He is second in the NFL in rush yards. He trails only Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey has more than double the carries that Devon Achan has. McCaffrey has 99 carries to this point. Achan just 38. Um, that's the only guy who's ahead of Achan in rush yards in the entire NFL. Achan has 12.11 yards per carry. That is an outrageous number. Second place in the NFL in yards per carry. If we go over here to our player stats dashboard and we look at yards per carry. Um, second place here is Austin Eckler, right? Great running back. At 7.31 yards per carry. It's not even close. Since 2010, there has not been another player to come close to this on 35 or more carries at any point in a season, let alone, you know, just this time. But on this volume, which, you know, is insane. The only other player who's been above nine yards per carry at any point throughout a season on 35 or more carries was Tavon Austin in 2015. He had nine and a half yards per carry. He did this through 14 weeks. He was averaging 2.8 carries per game. Achan is over 10 carries per game, eclipsing those numbers by three yards per carry. The only other running back above that clip, uh, above 8.5 yards per carry, was Kareem Hunt in 2017. He went... He did this on the backs of a, a 17 for 172 performance in week three. After the following week, Hunt was back down below 7.5 yards per carry. Like these are insane per carry numbers. He also leads all running backs in explosive rush rate. You can see here, 28.9% uh, leads all running backs by a fair margin. Uh, next is Jalil McLaughlin, 22.7, uh, sizable gap there of 6%. He also leads the NFL in rushes of 20 or more yards. He has six of said 20 or more yard carries. Again, he's done this on, uh, you know, just in, in just basically three games and nobody else with four. So there are three other guys with four or more 20 yard rushes this season. That's James Conner, Brees Hall, and Zach Moss. All of those guys have 50 or more carries this season. Achan has done it on just 38. Uh, keep in mind, he's doing all of this, putting up all these numbers on just 28.3% of his own team's carries. Uh, Mostert has outcarried Achan 58 to 38 this year. I, I, it's just outrageous stuff here uh, from Achan, and hopefully his injury is not serious because we really may be looking at one of the most explosive players in the last decade here. So my flowers are going to Devon Achan. Yeah, <clears throat> he deserves he deserves some some pretty nice flowers. It's a shame he's. It looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. Could go on the IR because he, to your point, is one of the most explosive, exciting players to watch in the league. Um, you know, given the production he's gotten and the production, you know, production in terms of carries and the the output that he has produced it's it's very very impressive stuff yeah and it appears you only, you know, his, no you cannot teach speed and it appeared you know he was only getting more and more carry share we were only going to get to see him more and more and we were coming up on this great matchup against carolina um which we will get to a little bit later um but 
Without further ado, it is time for the most heralded, maybe least heralded award uh, in the NFL. That is the Mr. Big Chest Award, which, Pat, there are serious, serious concerns about the Mr. Big Chest Award winner as the winner of Mr. Big Chest is now 0-3 straight up and against the spread in the weeks following their Mr. Big Chest performance. That was Lamar Jackson in week two. They went on to lose in week three to the Colts. That was Josh Allen last week went on to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in the middle of that was Mike McDaniel. And they got killed by the Bills in week four. That's 0-3, Pat. What say you yeah, to these allegations it, of a curse? These are serious allegations. I should I should start weaponizing the Mr. Big Chest Award and and start fading myself myself and betting on the Mr. the Mr. Big Chest recipient's opponent the following week. Maybe maybe there's uh there's some gold in those hills. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You know, we're we're giving out the Mr. Big Chest Award and and each you know recipient on a weekly basis can do with that what they may. So. Uh, without further ado, you know, this week's Mr. Big Chest Award is going to none other than Jamar Chase. Let's clap it up for yeah, Jamar. Clap it up. Clap it up for Jamar Chase. Yeah. Congratulations to Jamar. Jamar Chase coming off uh, you know, a pretty bad performance for the Bengals all around in week four against the Tennessee Titans, where the Bengals were routed by a score of 27 to 3. Jamar Chase in the locker room following the game, saying to the media that he's always effing open, um, you know, turn around. And, you know, when you say that to the media that like, you're always fucking open, um, you kind of need to like in the following week, like turn around and, and always you need to be, be open. open. You, need you, to be you, open. you need to put on tape that you're always open. And that's what he did in week five. He, he, you know, went out against the Arizona Cardinals and, you know, albeit a bad secondary in week five with a Cincy offense, that has been struggling Caught 15 balls for 192 yards and three touchdowns on 19 tar 19 targets with T. Higgins absent. So, you know, Jamar Chase talked his talk in the locker room in week four and went out and, you know, put on tape that he's open uh, very, very often and, and put up one of, you know, the biggest wide receiver performances of 2023 with 192 yards and three tutties. So, you know, week five, Mr. Big Chest Award is going to Jamar Chase. And if you look, you know who the Bengals are playing in week six. They're playing Seattle. Seattle has, uh, you know, a, a solid secondary thus far. So we'll see what Jamar can do against Devin Witherspoon and, and that Seattle secondary. But, you know, I can only give the Mr. Big Chest Award to those who are deserving of it. And Jamar Chase is deserving of the Mr. Big Chest Award. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you know, it was the this performance was against my Arizona Cardinals. And as someone who watched every snap of that game, this was as big chested as a Mr. Big Chest performance gets here. Um, he was always open um, or so it felt like. Uh, and Pat, if we look at this matchup against the Seahawks, this could be the curse breaker. The Seahawks yeah, are I miss I misspoke when I said yeah misspoke when I said Seattle is good against the pass. Take a look <laughs> at that. Take a look at our dashboard. Seattle yeah. uh, heading into week six ranks 31st in the league in passing yards per game allowed and 24th in passes of 10 plus yards allowed. So, you know, if Jamar Chase, who um, all things considered is is pretty, pretty tight with Joe Burrow, I think he's going to continue to get targets and, you know, receptions in week six. And 
to your point, Ethan, maybe maybe the curse will be broken, you know, this week and this week could six. be the one. Shout so, out uh, Jamar. Yeah, shout out Jamar. Shout out the Bengals. Well, not really. Um, I really wanted them to lose, obviously, to my Cardinals. But you know, this may be a good thing in the long run for all parties involved. Um. So yeah, congratulations to Jamar Chase on uh, this, you know, extremely prestigious award here. Um, and without further ado, let's head on over to the week six preview. And we start with the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Jets. Philly favored by six. This may be six and a half or seven as we speak now over under 42 as the undefeated Eagles head to MetLife for a matchup with one of the league's premier defenses in the New York Jets, as we discussed a little bit earlier. Philly enters at 7th in offensive efficiency and 20th in defensive efficiency. The Jets enter at 28th in offensive efficiency and 4th in defensive efficiency. And this has been much of the same story for the Jets this season after Rodgers went down. They have an elite defense. They rank 10th in series conversion rate allowed, 3rd in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, and 3rd in turnovers forced per game, despite being a little bit vulnerable against the run. Uh, 29th in rush yards per game allowed and 25th in yards per carry allowed for this Jets defense. And, you know, as we discussed that same story, they really struggled to see anything positive on offense with Zach Wilson under center. They rank 27th in EPA per play, 31st in series conversion rate, as well as red zone touchdown percentage. As you can see from the dashboard, a lot of red coming from that Jets offense. And the Eagles on the other side of this, have shown their ability to win games in a lot of different ways this year already. Uh, their defense has certainly struggled in certain areas. Um, however, you know, despite ranking just 21st in series conversion rate allowed and 25th in pass yards per game allowed, they have been elite against the run, and they've made critical plays at critical moments. The Jet, uh, excuse me, the Eagles rank first in rush yards per game allowed, allowing opponents to run for the fewest yards per game in the league. They also rank eighth in sacks per game and ninth in turnovers forced per game. A few of which of those turnovers and sacks have come at extremely opportune moments for the Eagles. And their ability to stop the run along with their offense ranking second in rush yards per game. Uh, they've been able to dominate. They also rank seventh in series conversion rate. They rank fourth in early down success rate. And this has allowed them to dominate the time of possession and really limit their opponent's chances to put points on the board. Their defense's best weapon has been their offense this year, um, and this should be a great matchup for the Eagles' offense against a Jets team that has really struggled to stop the rush so far this year. Pat, your Eagles taking on the Jets. Where, where are you looking in this one? Where do you see some advantages? Eagles taking on the Jets. <clears throat> I think you you touched on it, Ethan. You know what What do we have on the field here? We have a very, very good Jets defense that grades very, very well across the board in a lot of our defensive metrics. And we have an Eagles defense that has talent all over the board and you know struggles to defend what? Defend the pass. If you look at who the Eagles are going to be playing in week six, it's going to be Zach Wilson, who's bottom five quarterback in the league. So I am looking at the under 42 in this game. Jets defense is extremely strong extremely strong given the aforementioned metrics that you mentioned you know on on their side in this one 
Eagles are going to be looking to move the ball on the ground against a, a Jets defense that you know ranks in uh, the bottom bottom ten in the league in you know rushing yards allowed, 29th in rushing yards per game, 25th in yards per carry allowed. Um, Jets are you know brutal on offense, uh, you know across the board. Zach Wilson again, bottom five quarterback in the league, playing behind a very suspect offensive line uh, that just lost Elijah Vera Tucker at the guard position um, against a, a pretty strong Eagles pass rush that doesn't necessarily rank in the same stratosphere that they ranked in 2022, where they racked up 70 sacks and led the league in that category. But um, Eagles made halftime adjustments in week five against the Rams and held Stafford and company to just 64 yards and 24 plays in the second half, dominated the time of possession. Um, so, you know, all things considered, I think the Jets defense is going to play very well. They frustrated a lot of good quarterbacks, you know, thus far. In 2023, you know, Josh Allen obviously didn't play, um, you know, very well. Pat Mahomes didn't play necessarily very well in at MetLife a couple weeks ago. And so I think that the Eagles are going to, you know, try to exploit the weaknesses that the Jets have on the defense. And that's in the run game, which leads to a lot of long, deliberate drives for the Eagles. They may score points on those drives, but it's going to be, you know, an 11 play, you know, 80 yard type of type of drive that's going to take seven to eight minutes of clock time off of off the clock and you know if if zach wilson can struggle or will if zach wilson struggles to sustain offense in this one i think that you know the the under 42 is a good look here i'm going under 42 all and when you consider the the weather that we're looking at at metlife on sunday it looks like there's going to be heavy rain on the east coast on saturday heading into sunday morning it it doesn't look like it's gonna there's going to be precipitation at kickoff but there's going to be double digit mile an hour winds 15 ish mile an hour winds with gusts up into the 20 mile per hour range and so that's not uh you know a, a friendly sort of condition for the game um, which feeds more into the eagles reliance on the run game so two good offenses one bad defense and uh an offense in the eagles that may struggle against the jets jets defense i'm, I'm going under 42. uh yeah i i like that play i also just think that this is a matchup that plays right into the Eagles' hands. Um, the teams that have been successful against this Eagles defense uh, are teams that throw the ball a lot uh, and teams that throw the ball well. Um, the Eagles have been extremely susceptible to the pass. This is not the team that's going to take advantage of that weakness for the Philadelphia Eagles. And on the other side, we've already seen the Eagles win a couple games this year. I point to this Rams game last week. I point to the Vikings game in week two on Thursday night. Uh, they've won a couple games where they just dominate the run game. Um, and there's nothing you can do. It's talked about over and over and over again on these Eagles broadcasts about how good this offensive line is. And it's, it's true. Um, and so, you know, as much as I love the Eagles against the number, as much as I love the Eagles in the first half and the first quarter, as the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league, 31st in first quarter point differential, 28th in first half point differential. Um, the play I love the most, and you touched on it with the weather a little bit, I love just rushing overs for the Eagles in this game, especially DeAndre Swift. And I may even sprinkle a little bit on Jalen Hurts' over, anticipating some read option design runs for him as well. Um, but I think this is a DeAndre Swift workhorse game. Jets ranked 29th in rush yards per game allowed. Um, they've allowed 147 yards per game on 4.6 yards per carry. Swift has definitely established himself 
as the lead back in this backfield, uh, which was a question coming into the season. Swift has got 42.2% of the carries. Hertz is next in line, controlling 30.6% of those carries. Uh, but next most is, is Kenneth Gainwell, and he's only at 22%. Uh, so Swift has almost doubled up Gainwell in carries. Philadelphia runs the ball at the third highest rate in the league already. Uh, now with this weather added in and potentially a good game script against the Jets, I expect them to run it early, run it often, run it to DeAndre Swift. I love Swift's over on rushing yards, which I expect to come in at about the mid-70s, and I will be betting that up the ladder all the way up to 100 most likely. Yeah, I like it. I think you know when you consider the weather and, and the susceptibility that the Jets have in the run game, I, I I think that Swift is in line for uh, a big game here. So I like I like the spot. Should be an interesting one. Um, weather is going to play a factor, it appears, on a lot of the East Coast games that are played outdoors. Um, so be wary of that. But we will move on to a game that will not be played on the East Coast and will not be played outdoors, and that is the Arizona Cardinals heading to SoFi Stadium to face the Rams. Rams favored by six and a half, over under 46 and a half in this one as we sit here on Tuesday evening. And this is an important divisional matchup for the Rams as they look to get back to 500 after the loss to the Eagles and keep themselves in the playoff picture. Um, here welcoming the Arizona Cardinals to town. The Rams enter at eighth in offensive efficiency and 24th in defensive efficiency. Cardinals at 12th in offensive efficiency and 27th in defensive efficiency. These teams have told much of the same tale this season. Both of them have struggled on defense. The Rams have struggled to generate pressure uh, on the quarterback. This has basically been uh, the, the main cause for their defense, ranking 25th in EPA per play allowed. They ranked 28th in sacks per game, and they forced turnovers at just the 25th rate highest rate in the nfl per game the cardinals on the other side have struggled to stop the passing attack uh they rank 29th in epa per play allowed they rank 31st in series conversion rate they rank 27th in pass yards per attempt allowed through five weeks uh this is coming off of a mr big chest winning performance from jamar chase of 15 catches for 192 yards and three touchdowns that we discussed earlier on the other side of the ball, both of these teams have actually outperformed uh, some of the expectations entering this season. Uh, the Rams have done that in the passing game. They rank fourth in pass yards per game. They rank eighth in the EPA per play. And they rank sixth in red zone touchdown percentage and were very happy to welcome Cooper Cup back to the lineup last week. On the other side, the Cardinals have done, uh, done so with the rushing game. They rank sixth in rush yards per game. 12th in EPA per play and 11th in red zone touchdown percentage. Although the Cardinals are going to be without workhorse back James Connor as he hit the IR today. Uh, and Connor has controlled 52.2% of the carries for Arizona so far this year. That could be a problem uh, moving forward for Arizona. Uh, this matchup should provide, uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, we're talking a lot about units and matchups in this game. Uh, the Rams passing attack should have a field day against this Cardinals secondary that has been one of the worst in the league. Now you got cut back healthy, as I mentioned. You got Puka Nakua, who appears to be the next up-and-coming receiving star. Pat, where are you looking in this one? Yeah, you touched it. You nailed you you hit the nail on the head. I'm looking at Matthew Stafford and uh 
Matthew Stafford passing yards overs um, in this one, and you know Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup overs as well. Um, if you look at you know you touched on it, Arizona uh, ranks you know twenty seventh in the league in passing yards per attempt allowed, and you know twenty sixth in passing yards per game allowed. Three of the last four quarterbacks to face this Cardinal defense have gone over 280 passing yards. Stafford enters this matchup averaging 290 per game. Again, only picked up 64 yards uh, of total offense in the second half against the Eagles um, in week five. But Stafford and, you know, Cup and Nakua were, were moving the ball all over the field in the first half of that one. Stafford obviously just got cut back last week, found him for eight ball, eight, eight receptions for 118 yards. And I think Cup and Nakua are both going to be, you know, be able to exceed their totals against this secondary that you know we touched on earlier that just allowed Jamar Chase to catch 15 balls for 192 yards and three tutties in Week Five. The Rams have excelled passing the ball this season, you know, without Cup. And considering the defenses they've faced in the first five weeks, Stafford should be set up to have a field day in yards, completions, and attempts in this one against a really bad, you know, Arizona secondary. If you look at it through the the first five weeks of the season against Seattle in week one, who ranks 30th in our defensive efficiency ratings and in the bottom five in passing yards per game, Stafford went for 334 yards, 334. Yeah. In week two against a, a really good 49ers defense that ranks seventh in defense efficiency, eighth in EPA per play. Stafford still went for 370, 307 yards, on 34 of 55 passing against Cincy in week three, a defensive ranks 12th in defensive efficiency and 16th in EPA per play. Stafford still threw for 269 yards, one touchdown on just 18 of 33 passing week four against Indy, you know, a middle of the road, you know, average to slightly above average defense. The ranks 17th in defensive efficiency, 13th in EPA per play. Stafford went for 319 yards on 27 to 40 passing. And in week five, you know, Stanford kind of, excuse me, Stafford, you know, kind of got clamped down on in the second half, but finished with just 20, 220, 222 yards against an Eagles defense that ranks seventh in EPA per play. If you look at Arizona, they rank 29th in the league in third down conversion rate, while the Rams rank ninth in the league in third down conversion rate on the offensive side of the ball. This is going to give, you know, the Rams an opportunity to continuously extend drives, you know, getting the ball to Nakua and Cup in the flat to, you know, keep the chains moving, keep Stafford, you know, in the pocket on the field. So I expect Stafford, if the numbers, you know, in, in the 260s or low 270s, like it's been all season to go over this, uh, you know, passing yards number all day. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm looking at. Uh, a similar side of this matchup here, um, and that is uh, the the Nakua and Cup receiving yards overs. Um, Rams throw the ball at the fifth highest rate in the league. Uh, the Cards have actually been scrappy. Um, they stayed in games this year. They they ranked tenth in first half point differential. They they've kept themselves in games. Uh, so I don't necessarily expect a, a runaway game script for the Rams here divisional matchup uh expect the Cardinals to, to come out and fight um and, and try to stay in this game at least um despite the success that we expect the Rams passing attack to have um I don't usually like to bet two guys on the same team to both go over um but in this case I actually kind of don't hate both um, Stafford spread the ball pretty equally between these two guys. Uh, Cup had 12 targets, Nakua had 11 targets. So you're talking about two guys getting double digit targets. Um, that's 
fairly unheard of, but this is uh, turning out to be a potentially scary, real scary, two-headed attack here uh, between Cup and Nakua. They both got over their receiving prop totals last week. Uh, despite the Rams only throwing 37 passes, they averaged 44 um, attempts on the year entering last week's matchup against the Rams – or against the Eagles, excuse me. Uh, and they only possessed the ball for 22 minutes, and they both still – uh, Cup was over 110 yards. Nakua was over 70 yards. I don't think we're going to see these totals open up in the mid 60s again. Um, I'd expect them to be a little bit higher, and I'm I'm still going to hit them. Um, another way to play this, uh, if you expect the Rams' passing attack to be as lethal as they have been throughout the season thus far, um, could be Rams' team total over uh, the implied total right now, 46 and a half, with a six-point spread. Uh, leaves us at about 26 and a half, 27 and a half range for that total of the Rams. Um, and if they're, you know, able to get the ball moving uh, and not take too much time in those scoring drives, uh, they could easily get over that total. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're both on the same page. I mean, if you look at the Rams receiving, they just trade away Van Jefferson. Um, so it, it's Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, the tight end, Tyler Higby, and Tutu Adwell effectively are are Stafford's main four targets and you know Cup and Nakua have shown time and time again uh their ability to get open get separation and you know Stafford is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league if you're going up against the bottom five bottom six secondary in the league I, I don't think there's any reason to be looking under at and at either of these numbers unless they open up at egregious numbers in in the high 80s yeah and you know this is a Cardinals defensive line that while they rank eighth in sacks per game they rank just 29th in quarterback hits per game. Uh, so pressuring the quarterback at a low rate, despite, you know, when they do pressure uh, the quarterback, they've gotten home for sacks, uh, which is a promising sign, but um, had not not had too much success pressuring the quarterback and against this McVay offense and, and Stafford. Um, I think that that could be a problem. Uh, but I think we're totaling or we're targeting uh, the same side of that matchup. So let's move on to a matchup that will almost certainly uh, see much less passing of the football. And uh, that's San Francisco 49ers taking on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Cleveland currently uh, five-point underdogs at home over under uh, has actually moved all the way down to 37.5 as we speak here on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and the Browns will try to hand the Niners their first loss of the season as two of the league's premier defenses clash here in Cleveland. Uh, San Francisco ranks fourth in offensive efficiency and seventh in defensive efficiency and has probably separated themselves as the league's most dominant team through five weeks as Cleveland ranks 30th in offensive efficiency and first in defensive efficiency. Where else to start in this one than with the defenses, both of whom rank top five in yards per play allowed, rush yards per game allowed, and red zone trips per game allowed, and both uh, combined have a, allowed their opponents to reach 20 points in three of the combined nine games these two teams have played. Uh, this is the same number of times that these two teams have held their opponents under seven points or less. Um, so some pretty elite defenses on our hands in this one. The offenses on our, uh, you know, on the other hand, have been a much different story between the two sides. San Francisco has been elite uh, under the leadership of Brock Purdy. Uh, they rank first in EPA per play. They rank first in series conversion rate. 
their series conversion rate of 81.9% through week five marks the third best offense um, through five weeks since 2010, uh, converting, uh, you know, series into a new set of downs at an extremely high clip. Uh, they are also first in red zone trips per game and fourth in red zone touchdown percentage. On the other side, Cleveland's offense has been far from elite, ranking 32nd dead last in EPA per play, 27th in series conversion rate, and 29th in yards per play, really struggling since the departure of Nick Chubb for the remainder of the season. And with, you know, we talked about the projected sloppy conditions here, a total that's way down. Um, we should be in store for an old-fashioned defensive slugfest here in Cleveland on Sunday. Pat, where are you looking in this one? Where do you see some potential advantages? Yeah, we were texting on Sunday night about, you know, where this total is going to open. I thought it was going to open at about 39, opened at 38 and a half, and since has moved down to 37 and a half on, on two things. Deshaun Watson missed practice today with a, a, a contusion bruise. or it's, it, the, the way that it was phrased is very weird. Um, but missed practice on Tuesday. Um, not looking great for his his status heading into Sunday Sunday again. We're recording on Tuesday night, so a lot a lot can change heading into this matchup. But the Browns have said that PJ Walker is going to start if Watson is not able to go. Um, you know, you touched on it, but San Fran is you know ranking seventh in the league in defensive efficiency, while Cleveland you know off the bye comes into this one ranking first in the league in our defensive efficiency ratings. And I'm still going under 37 and a half in this game. I think it has the recipe for um, what I like to see in, you know, in, when, when you're taking it under and you have two, you know, defenses that rank in the top quartile of the league in our defensive efficiency metrics and basically every other metric that we track on the game matchup dashboard. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see um, won't run through, you know, all these different metrics. But as you can see, Cleveland off the buy is ranking first or second in nearly every defensive metric that we're tracking. Um, so, you know, that that's accounted for. If you look on the Cleveland side of the ball, they lost Nick Chubb, and now you got, you know, Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford, uh, you know, manning the the rushing attack. And Nick Chubb's just not a guy that you can replace. Um, you know, they head into this game ranking fifth in the league in rushing yards per game. But without Chubb, you know, where where is that ranking going to go, um, you know, the rest of the way? It's, it's, it's probably not going to go up. They're not going to be able to sustain – same success that they would have been able to had they had Chubb. They're going up against a San Fran defense that ranks second in the league in rushing yards per game, sixth in yards per carry, first in rushes of 10 plus yards. And if you got PJ Walker playing in this game, it's going to be very difficult for the Browns to sustain any type of offense. Now, if you look at the weather, again, we were talking about, you know, sloppy conditions on the East Coast. Um, if you look in Cleveland, it looks like there's rain in the forecast and there's, you know, 17 to eight mile an hour sustained winds. Again, if you have 17 to 18 mile an hour sustained winds, you're going to have gusts up into you know the low 20s. Uh, if if anyone's familiar with where Cleveland Stadium is, it is right on the lake. And so if you have windy conditions in Cleveland, that's going to have a severe impact on either team's ability to throw the ball. And so you know with all that considered, we got two elite defenses on the field. We got an offense that looks like it could be going with a backup without their best you know player at run at the running back position. And so. All that being said, I'm going under 37 and a half. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to play a similar angle to that, um, but I'm going to go with Cleveland's team total under. It's implied around 15 or 16, and I absolutely love the under there. 
Um, this this offense has looked completely anemic and unable to move the ball throughout points of this season, whether it's Deshaun Watson or not under center. Um, without Nick Chubb, you touched on it. I just think that success running the football, which has been the only success this offense has had, um, it is going to slowly deteriorate. Uh, and for that reason, I I'm just going to completely fade this Browns offense and what better spot to do it than against this Niners defense that has just been basically elite um, across the board. So I'm going to be looking at Cleveland's team total unders uh, should be, like I said, implied around 15 or 16. Um, if this team scores two touchdowns against this Niners defense in those conditions, I'll be extremely surprised. Um, on the other side, looking at the Niners angle in this one, um, the Niners have been absolutely elite early on in games. I'm looking at the Niners first quarter minus a half and first half minus three and a half in this one. Like I said, I just don't see Cleveland being able to score points. Um, and this is a down in the trenches game running the ball. I, I think it completely favors the Niners here. Um, they have been, like I said, just electric on, on opening drives um, and scripted drives this year with, with Shanahan calling the plays here. Obviously, uh, they have scored touchdowns on four out of five of their opening drives this season. And the time they didn't, they stalled out on the Giants 11-yard line and kicked a field goal. That is points on five of five opening drives this season. Um, that is a game plan. That is Shanahan coming out of the gates, calling these scripted plays, knowing what defense is coming and attacking it. Uh, and I'm going to trust that. I'm going to play that. And if this team gets a lead, you do not want to play from behind against the San Francisco 49ers. Like I mentioned, they are third and first quarter point differential. They are fourth and first half point differential. They have led after the first quarter in four out of five of their games. They have led after the first half in four out of five of their games. Cleveland ranks 20th in first quarter point differential and 18th in first half differential. Cleveland's defense is elite. They have only allowed 60 points in four games. That is 15 points a game. That is elite, elite defensive stuff. However, They've actually allowed two-thirds of those points in the first half. 40 out of 60 of the points they have allowed have been in the first half. I think that the Niners are going to come out hot, score early, get on the board, play from ahead, and that's a bad recipe for the Browns. I'm also looking at the Niners' first quarter and first half spreads. Yeah, I like it. I mean, San Fran, you know, wherever they go is, is you know, one of the top two or three teams in the league. Um Against against an offense that's going to really struggle to move the ball against his defense, I think that uh, you know San Fran knows who they are. They have you know very skilled players at the the running back and wide receiver position, and and they're they're able to keep you sort of off balance with Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, and uh, you know Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think there's any reason to you know be be looking for the Browns to jump out to an early lead here with the the way their offense has been playing with or without Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah, completely agreed. Um, and I, I think we're on the same page here about how dominant uh, the San Francisco 49ers have looked so far this season. So let's move on to the Monday night football game of this coming week, which features the Dallas Cowboys heading to Los Angeles and SoFi Stadium to face the Chargers. Uh, Chargers getting two and a half points at home over under 47 and a half as we sit here on Tuesday evening. And the Cowboys' encounters with elite offenses is not over after their Sunday night pummeling from the 49ers as they had to SoFi Stadium for a matchup with the Chargers on ESPN and Monday Night Football. Chargers ranked first in offensive efficiency, 
and 18th in defensive efficiency. Dallas on the other side, we talked about at the top of the show, um, now down to 10th in offensive efficiency and 14th in defensive efficiency, still a more than respectable team. The Chargers entering off a bye and get reinforcements uh, on the offensive side in the form of one Austin Eckler. Their offense has been top tier so far this season, ranking sixth in EPA per play, fifth in series conversion rate, and fifth in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, they will face a Dallas offense uh, that ranks 10th in EPA per play, sixth in red zone trips per game, but they've struggled in the red zone, just 28th in red zone touchdown percentage once they get down there. Uh, the Dallas offense will surely be glad that they get to face the Chargers defense instead of the Niners. Uh, the Chargers have ranked 30th in series conversion rate allowed, 32nd in pass yards per game allowed, dead last against the pass so far this year, uh, allowing an average of 329 pass yards per game. They also ranked 31st in red zone trips per game allowed. They have been solid at stopping teams from putting up six, ranking 10th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, which could be an issue for this Cowboys offense that struggled in the red area, as we discussed. Story for the Cowboys defense has not changed after giving up 170 yards rushing to San Francisco and Christian McCaffrey last week. They are extremely solid overall as a unit. They rank fifth in EPA per play allowed, fourth in series conversion rate allowed, and second in pass yards per game allowed. But they have really, really struggled against the rush. They rank 23rd in yards per carry allowed and 21st in rush yards per game allowed. The Chargers are surely going to need to lean on Austin Eckler and even Josh Kelly to run the ball effectively like they did in week one if they want to neutralize uh, this great Cowboys defense on Monday night football. Pat, anything you like, any angles you like in this one between the Cowboys and the Chargers? Yeah, this is this is a game where we're featuring obviously the the Los Angeles Chargers, who are a team that's just all over the board. It's it's not a game where I'm going to be looking at you know the side to to back either of these teams. I think the Dallas offense has you know really struggled to. If you pull you know the curtain back a little bit, they their defense has actually scored a lot of points for them. If you look at the Cowboys game or excuse me the Giants game in Week One, they had 14 points. Uh, that you know their defense scored they they scored points um you know against the jets in week two and you know posted points um you know against the the patriots in week four um coming off a, a 42 to 42 to 10 loss against the 49ers in week five week five i think that the cowboys are going to try to you know recommit themselves to the run game a little bit in this game and you know they're they're matched up with a, a chargers run defense that doesn't you know necessarily rank in the bottom 10 in the league in rushing yards per game they rank 14th in rushing yards per game allowed and 17th in yards per carry but i think they're going to turn to tony pollard a little bit in this one and i i like pollard to um you know get a lot of touches in this game and if his number is in the low 60s i'm going to be looking at tony pollard here and with his rushing yards over yeah uh like you said the chargers are a weird team um, they tend to play close games. Uh, they have Justin Herbert who can light you up any given night. Um, and on the other side, you got a Dallas team that in my opinion is a top two or three team in the NFL when they have a lead. And when they don't, I, I don't think they're a top half team in this league. Um, there's a huge dichotomy from what I've seen, uh, when the Cowboys are playing as front runners versus when they're chasing. Um, and, and that's a huge, a huge determinant of how this game is going to go. For that reason, I'm also going to lay off the total and 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 spread in this one. 
Um, but I am going to look at Dak passing yards over basically out of principle against this Chargers secondary that has stunk uh, through their first four games of the season. This is Dak's time to shine. Uh, he needs a bounce back after a poor performance uh, against San Francisco in prime time. He gets another chance. How, you know, only as the quarterback of the Cowboys do you get a chance to redeem yourself in prime time the week after you, uh, you know, played a prime time game. Uh, the Chargers allow the most passing yards in the league. It's not really close. Uh, 329 passing yards per game is an outrageous number, um, even in this day and age in the NFL. They allowed 367 yards to Kirk Cousins. They allowed 466 yards to Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, they allowed rookie Aiden O'Connell in his first start ever to throw for 238 yards. Um, and they allowed Ryan Tannehill. Uh, to throw for 246 yards, which doesn't sound like a huge number until you see that Tannehill averages 210 yards per game. That is 36 yards over his season average. Uh, Dak is averaging around 220 yards per game. If this line comes in around 230, 240, I'm smacking it. Dak over. Uh, if this if this line's around 260, 270, I'll probably stay away just because of those reasons you talked about, Pat. Um, that you know if the Cowboys are in front and they decide to establish the run. Um, but if this, if this line is reasonable anywhere around 250 or below, I'm going to be hitting Dak's passing yards over, like I said, out of principle against this terrible Chargers secondary. Yeah, it's, it, it's a, a good unit to target, right? Dak, Dak turned in a, a really, really bad game against a, a 49ers defense that is, you know, pretty strong against the pass and, you know, threw three interceptions in the second half. But there, there's not really a better bounce back spot for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense than to, to match up with the Chargers defense in this Monday night football matchup. So it's, it's two very volatile, high variance teams matching up, which, um, you know, sets us up for, what should be a pretty entertaining Monday night football game, but um, you know, yeah, I agree. it's, it's difficult to predict where either of these teams are going to, uh, you know, be performing, you know, heading into Monday night. hundred percent. And uh, also interesting to note, this secondary has lost JC Jackson since the last time we saw them, he was traded uh, back to new England in their bye week um, He's been horrible this year. So I don't know if this is actually going to, you know, he's highly paid and he was great for the Patriots before, but uh, he hasn't been that great this year. So who knows if this is really a, a huge drop off to the next guy, but uh, it, it is something to mention. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the way you construct your roster heading into the season, it's it's not a great development to, you know, have to trade away one of your highest paid cornerbacks that you were relying on to, you know, be featured in the secondary. So um, you know, maybe it's a net positive for their salary cap on a go forward basis, but you know, in the middle of the season, trading, trading one of your top two corners at the buy, not, not a great development and a little bit of an indictment on, uh, on this, this Chargers secondary heading into this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like you said, these two high variance teams, uh, should set up for a very interesting Monday night football game. Uh, but let's move on here to uh, a new segment. Uh, called the Fantasy Corner, where we are going to detail the best passing and rushing matchups that you can take advantage of in your fantasy matchups. We've had some some requests that we talk a little bit more on a fantasy football angle, uh, so we are going to do that here. Um, I will cover the passing matchups first, Pat. After that, I'll toss it to you to go through the best rushing matchups on the board uh, for fantasy this week. 
and I will start right on Thursday night football with the Kansas City Chiefs getting a great matchup against a horrendous, horrendous Denver Broncos defense that ranks 32nd in yards per attempt and 28th in pass yards per game allowed. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is a no-brainer start no matter what, um, but with Kelsey a little banged up, uh, potentially against this horrendous Broncos defense, the Chiefs may figure that they don't even need him. So definitely something to monitor, but uh, Kelsey in or out, I still love the opportunity for the Chiefs against the, the Broncos and think that uh, Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony could be set up for big days as well from a fantasy perspective. Um, if you're looking for someone to fill a spot for a player on a bye week, uh, another great matchup uh, in the passing game this week coming in uh, the Minnesota versus Chicago Bears game. The Vikings get a great matchup against the Bears defense that ranks 31st in pass yards per attempt and 30th in pass yards per game allowed. Uh, no Justin Jefferson, it appears, uh, for the Vikings should open the door for big days for Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson some guys to look and make sure you have in your fantasy lineups this week. Uh, and a matchup we just covered against the Chargers secondary. The Cowboys should be set up for a big day in the passing game. The Chargers ranked 29th in yards per attempt and dead last 32nd in pass yards per game allowed. I'm not ready to give up on your Dallas receivers just yet. I think CeeDee Lamb is in for a big day. I think Jake Ferguson, uh, the tight end here for the Cowboys, uh, those are Dak's two favorite targets so far this year. They should have some great success against the Chargers secondary, and I'm looking to play. CD obviously is probably an auto play in most most of your lineups, um, but if you're looking to trade CD, maybe wait one more week. Um, and Jake Ferguson, I think, is set up um, for another good week here versus the Chargers. So a few good passing matchups on the board, and Pat, I will throw it to you for the best rushing matchups available this week. Yeah, let's run through them. I think I think, you know, again, if if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to us, we would encourage you to, you know, scan scroll through our, our game matchup and player matchup dashboards to, you know, pick pick these out for yourself. But um, you know, the, these tools are uh that, that we're presenting on our site just give you a really good opportunity to, you know, pick through and not everyone knows who the best, you know, offensive players are. Everyone plays fantasy football, but I think the most important part or one of the most important parts of, you know, finding the players who are going to outperform their, you know, season totals or season averages on a weekly basis are the matchups that they're they're facing on a weekly basis. So, you know, to start off the top, you touched on it a little bit. I think that Kansas City is basically going to be able to do whatever they want on offense against the Denver defense that ranks 32nd in, you know, yards per attempt, passing yards per game. But they also rank 32nd in yards per carry and rushing yards allowed per game. Um, this gives, you know, a great opportunity for Isaiah Pacheco to, you know, feast in this matchup on Thursday night. Brees Hall, obviously... Just went for 177 yards on 22 carries and a tutty in week five, ripped off, uh, you know, a 70 plus yard rush in that game. And, you know, Pacheco with his speed and and the veracity with which he runs the ball, I think is going to have a great opportunity to, uh, you know, break off a, a couple, you know, long runs. And um, whether you're looking to start him in fantasy or, you know, feature him on your daily fantasy lineup or target, you know, his, his rushing yards props, I think Isaiah Pacheco is in a great spot to, take advantage of this really bad Denver rushing defense. If we move over to the Bills Giants matchup, um, you know, the Giants rush defense is also, you know, one of the worst in the league. They rank 30th in the league 
in yards per carry allowed and 29th in rushing yards per game. We've talked about it, you know, in the last couple of weeks that, you know, the Bills have in previous seasons struggled with, you know, having a balanced offensive attack with, you know, a limited run game. But the the addition of James Cook into this offense has given the Bills a little bit of duality on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, against the Giants rushing defense, it's been, you know, carved up by uh, a number of different players. If you look at the box scores, you know, weeks one through five, um, you know, it's it's a great matchup for James Cook to, you know, get into the end zone in this one and, and rack up a bunch of yards on the ground. Um, you know, moving on to Seattle versus Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals ranked 29th in the league in yards per carry allowed, 30th in rushing yards per game allowed. We talked about uh, we talked about it last week. I was targeting James Conner over his, uh, you know, rushing yardage total. One and a half heading to this one. He had six carries for 46 yards in the first half before he left the game with a, a leg injury. James Conner has since gone on the IR, but you would think if James Conner was able to stay in that one, he you know would have had an opportunity to go for you know break 100 yards in this one. So what does that do for for Seattle? You know you got Kenneth Walker at the running back position in this game matched up with you know one of the five worst run defenses in the league. Expect Kenneth Walker to get a lot of touches in this game and and really outperform his season average against one of the the worst run defenses in the league in in Seattle in week 6 um and you know last last matchup that we're going to be targeting here we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show Ethan you gave your flowers to Devon a chain um Miami ranks A-chan. first in eight we'll work A-chan, on it. A-chan, A-chan. we're working <laughs> on it Devon Achan and Puka Nakua uh, you know, but Miami ranks you, first. You got that one down. You got that one. I got down. that one. I like that one. Puka Nakua. Uh, Miami's ranking first in the league in rushing yards per game. They're matched up against Carolina's 26th ranked rush defense. That's 28th in runs of 10 plus yards allowed. Again, Miami's going to be without HN, which, which is going to give Raheem Mostert an opportunity to get more carries and production in this one. In week five, uh, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers combined for 135 yards. Kenneth Walker went for 95 yards and two tutties in week four. You know, Taysom Hill, um, you know, Jones and, you know, New Orleans, other back, blanking Alvin on the Kamara. name. Not uh, Alvin Kamara wasn't in that he, game, but they, they went was, for, you know, out. yeah, they went, they went for 140 plus against Carolina. Carolina's defense, uh, you know, with regard to the run game is, is very susceptible and Miami, you know, has has shown a tendency to, you know, like running the ball again, ranked first in the league in rushing yards per game. So Raheem Mostert getting the green light in week six against Carolina. So, um, again, we're, we're only touching on a couple of these, but um, there there's a really great opportunity to, you know, surf through all these different player matchup and game matchup dashboards to pick out, you know, the the backs and, you know, receivers and quarterbacks who who are going to have big days against um, you know, matched up with really, you know, bottom five, bottom 10 uh, defenses, whether it's in passing yards, rushing yards or receiving yards allowed per game. Yeah, great call out there with Miami as well. Um, people give a lot of praise to their passing game, but what their passing game does is it really opens up their rushing game. Uh, you, you touched on it. They're first in not only pass yards per game, but also rush yards per game. And, you know, A-Chan had obviously been, you know, cutting into Mostert's uh, production. Uh, but with A-Chan out, I still think this opens the door for Mostert. I think he's a great play in fantasy, daily fantasy. Uh, I'll be looking at his overs and rushing uh, yards and alternates. 
uh, as well as Miami's team total over in this one. I just don't see a way that the Panthers keep them under 30 points. Um, so I think we're on the same page there with Miami as well. That's a great start uh, to the fantasy corner segment. I think we'll bring that one back. Give us uh give us a shout out. If uh, you know, you play one of these guys in your league and uh, you know, it goes well for you. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at sport. I N T E L L G N C E. You can uh, find us by searching sporting intelligence and make sure you check out sporting intelligence.com where you can find all of the matchup analysis that we discuss on the show and more on a week-to-week basis. This is a week-to-week league, Pat, and the best way to dissect these matchups is at sporting-intelligence.com. Should be in for another awesome week of football. We will see you next time.